What is up, Bible Stormers? And welcome back to season six of the Bible Storming podcast here on the Scattered Abroad Network. And I was just thinking right before I hit play, like, if I have too many more of these seasons, I don't have that many to go before these thing catches up to me. Like, I don't have that many years, <laughs> more than six on this earth. I actually just had to pause the podcast recording to take out my retainers because I actually am kind of old, even though I'm only 23, don't have that many years. I also, just to just to let you in on the life of a podcaster who was recording at 11 something um, tonight, I just, right before I hit play, I uh, dropped my mic stand, like, uh, I don't even know how to explain it. I dropped the top of the mic stand, which is adjustable, and it went toward the bottom, and this mic thing is ridiculously heavy, um, <laughs> and it smashed onto my finger, um, and somehow it pinched my skin so hard that it broke the skin. I don't think I've ever experienced that, but as we speak, my finger is bleeding, so uh, if the podcast mic starts to get a little uh, fuzzy with the audio, blame the ridiculously heavy mic that we're working with here. But anyway, <laughs> on to business. Welcome back to season six. I am genuinely excited to be sitting here right now and excited to dive in like we always do on this podcast. We don't shy away from the deep topics. And where we're starting this season is on maybe the deepest topic that exists. And that is what you might have heard called the Trinity or the Godhead or the Godhood. It's the three persons of God, Father and Son and Spirit. And actually what we're doing tonight um, is starting with the ACT. Now, I don't know about you, I don't have fond memories at the ACT. I was homeschooled, so this was like the first time I'd ever been around, you know, other kids my age. Not really, but, you know, go with me here. Um, <laughs> I'd never been around other kids my age in this pressure-packed environment where we're all sitting there about to take a test. I've never actually talked to another human before. And it's just, man, it was a stressful time. And you're homeschooled, so you have all these expectations that you're going to score well because, you know, what else can you do other than school all day? So, yeah, it was just a rough time. Um, I just remember math was was not fun. In fact, if you want to rank the subjects of the ACT in order, and don't give me writing, like that doesn't count. Like if you were a nerd and you did the writing part, like that's not on me. But <laughs> the other four subjects ranked objectively from worst to best are math and then science and then English and then reading. Math and science are pretty close together, and they are both way down beneath English and reading. Reading barely edges out English, just like science barely edges out math. And my grades in each of those subjects may or may not also reflect um, <laughs> that ranking. And if I liked math more, I probably could have gone to Yale, but unfortunately, um, I cried every day of pre-algebra, so I cannot claim to have enjoyed math. But with that said, in this episode, we're beginning with a math problem. Thankfully, it's one that I think even I can do. It's one plus one plus one. One plus one plus one. You might say one times three. You might say one cubed. I think that's how that works. Uh, one plus one plus one. 
Well, you know the answer. It's it's three, right? And I might have already spoiled this for you, but what we're talking about today is something that at least in in a sense transcends our logic. Because in this case, one plus one plus one does not equal three. It actually equals one. That is our Godhead. That's our Trinity. And this math problem is one that has mystified people for thousands of years. And I'll just go ahead and spoil this for you. We're not going to solve this mystery. (laughs) Um, I promise you, I'm not going to solve it. And I'm definitely not going to solve it here on the podcast. But I want us to dive into it together. Not just so we know the exact correct words, just in case we get a doctrinal pop quiz when when we shut this podcast down. But also, so... This, this crazy, this con- complicated, this, this abstract concept might become real and relevant for your life and for my life right here and right now. Because if you're like me, the Trinity is a concept that's complicated enough to where it, it feels like it's a little bit out of grasp. Like, sure, I know it's important, right? Like, I know it's something that Christians have always affirmed, and it's, it's, a, it's an important part of our faith. But I've never really thought until here lately about what relevance it might actually have for my real life right now. <laughs> but I think it does. So we might end up spending the whole season on this. I don't, really, I don't even know at this point, but we're at least going to begin with it. And this, this episode is entitled Trinity, Nuclear Power and Battered Hearts. Trinity, nuclear power and battered hearts. And that that really encapsulates the next few episodes, at least according to my plan, uh, my master evil plan to talk about the Trinity for this whole season. Uh, It really encapsulates our thoughts for the next few episodes. As we think through this mystery that centers around the three persons of the Godhead, Father, Son, Spirit. And the reason we say that in this case, one plus one plus one does not equal three is because these three persons are not separate beings. So I'm a person and Taylor Swift is a person and Morgan Freeman is a person. And if you put all three of us in a room together, you have three incredibly important people, obviously. But uh, but we're all separate, right? We're all separate beings. But that's not the case with this mystery. It, and it is a mystery. All we're going to do in this series of episodes is circle around this concept of Trinity. Because really, that's, that's all our speaking of God is. It, it's just circling around, at least in a lot of ways. Because With what we're doing right now, we're in the realm of beyond, of transcendence, of mystery. We're like a blindfolded person that's just touching the side of an elephant and describing the tiny portion that we feel with all the conviction that we can muster. We're searching for language. That's why uh, when someone asked Augustine, who was an early church Bible nerd, they asked him, why do we call the Father and the Son and the Spirit persons? Why not some other word? His answer was, so we have something to say when people ask us what they are. (laughs) It's a pretty good explanation. There was another early church Bible nerd named Anselm, who was, uh, both of these men are, you know, two of the most intelligent people of all time, at least arguably. And Anselm called the three the three Nessio quids. 
They call the, the members of the Trinity, the Nessio quids, which is Latin. And I don't know about you. I don't speak Latin. So I had to look it up. And essentially what he's saying when he calls them the three Nessio quids is the three, I don't know what's, <laughs> which is very, very uh, relatable to me because you know, as serious as this this concept is, as important as it is to grasp, to dive into, there's also an element here where we have to admit that we are humble before this mystery, because this has always been something that humans don't fully grasp. It's truly a mystery in the most proper sense. And I mean by mystery, not primarily something that we cannot understand. In this case, at least, it is something that we can endlessly understand. So there's no point at which you can say, I've got it. I understand the Trinity fully. I've got it. No, always and forever. This mystery gets you. (laughs) That's how math was for me. (laughs) And that's how the Trinity is for all of us. It's a mystery in the best way. It presents us with an invitation to get to know our God. And that is where the second most unfortunate section of the ACT can help us out. So, science it is. You might know that as we record this podcast, as it goes on air, the movie Oppenheimer is out in theaters. You might have heard it. You might have seen it. So, the movie Oppenheimer focuses on the life of J. Robert Oppenheimer, who was the father of the atomic bomb. He was the one who headed up the project for the United States of inventing the atomic bomb, figuring out how it might work, and testing it out. And just a fair warning, um, given our, our Christian convictions, you definitely want to be aware of some of the things in the movie before you go and see it. You might at least take someone with you who you can look at <laughs> at certain points if that's something that uh, that you want to try out. So anyway, the movie focuses on the life of a real man, J. Robert Oppenheimer, and it depicts the kind of the climax of the movie is, is when they blow up a test atomic bomb in New Mexico. You might not know this, but the United States had to, it makes sense, they tested the atomic bomb before they, they dropped it in Japan. And they did it in New Mexico. And Oppenheimer named the site where the, the test atomic bomb was dropped. He named it Trinity. He later said that although he, he didn't totally realize it at the time, his name choice was, was probably inspired by John Donne's poem that's entitled Holy Sonnet Number 14. Now, you can probably Google uh, this poem. I'm assuming that you can. And read it along with me, but I'm going to read it to you in just a moment here. Once again, it's John Donne, Holy Sonnet number 14. And in this poem, Donne imagines the divine trinity. But our question is, is it who God actually is? Is this really our God? I'm not, I don't want to point you in either direction because I think it's a more complicated question than people on, on many sides of this question might like to believe that it is. But John Donne says, batter my heart, three-person God, for you as yet, but knock, breathe, shine, and seek to mend, that I may rise and stand, overthrow me and bend, your force to break, blow, burn, and make me mew. I, like a usurped town to another dew, 
labor to admit you, but oh, to no end. Reason, your viceroy and me, me should defend, but is captive, and proves weak or untrue. Yet dearly I love you, and would be loved fain, but am betrothed unto your enemy. Divorce me, untie or break that knot again. Take me to you, imprison me, for I, except you enthrall me, never shall be free, nor ever chased, except you ravish me. Now, obviously, that poem uses uh, some words that we don't use every day and is written in an older style. But if you have a chance, go back and listen to it again or, or look up the words and just struggle through John Donne's internal conflict with him. Where he wants to be bound to his God, but in a feeling and an experience that's relatable to all of us, he too often finds himself going off in other directions. One museum has a piece reflecting on the Trinity test site and its relationship with that poem. And it says that in the poem, strong paradoxical emotions surface, all in the context of an extended warlike metaphor. Coursing through the poetry as violent imagery, batter my heart, overthrow me, break, blow, burn. Paired with pleas to be healed and renewed, seek to mend, make me new, evoking a sense of struggle and internal war. Now that internal war of John Donne was relatable for Oppenheimer, who struggled mightily with the ethics of the bomb that they built and its effect on the world. Oppenheimer was heavily conflicted on the inside, as he hoped that an instrument of death could somehow bring life, that his instrument of destruction would bring about peace, that, that his trinity would bring unity. And I believe that that inner conflict reflects the internal conflict of many Christians regarding our trinity, regarding our mysterious math problem. Because we hear that God is good, we hear that he is love, we hear that he is kind. But does it ever seem to you that, that many of us do what we do because we are afraid of God at some level? We check the boxes of, of the steps of salvation, of the acts of worship, of the fruit of the Spirit, for lots of reasons. But, but maybe the main one, if we dig down deep inside, is that we relate to our Trinity in the same complicated, conflicting, but ultimately anxious way of John Donne and Robert Oppenheimer. And in the end, our religion pretty much turns out to be fire insurance, just in case the whole thing turns out to be real. And of course, this, this is a negative portrayal of it, and I put it strongly to stand out to you. But there is a part of me, deep down, that wonders how much of it is true in my heart and maybe in your heart as well. And my question is, is that appropriate? Because God is powerful and just, right? So should it be fear that binds us to that God? Should we pray along with John Donne for God to batter our hearts, to overthrow and bend us, to imprison us in him? Should anxiety or scarcity or fear be what ties us to our all-powerful God? I'll leave you with that question, and we'll resume with these thoughts next time we come together to Bible Storm.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.